On this episode, I'm in the room with Trillia Nubel discussing her book, Fear and Faith, Finding the Peace Your Heart Craves. Welcome to In the Room, episode number 24. I'm Ryan Hughley, and I'm the founding and lead pastor of Redemption Bible Church just outside Chicago. You can find me online at ryanhughley.com and also on Twitter and Instagram at, at @ryanhughley. that's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. If you're new to the podcast, the concept's pretty straightforward. I want to bring you in the room for conversations that I have with people who interest me. I talk with pastors, professors, authors, and artists about their stories, their crafts, and how they do what they do. This week, I'm in the room with Trillia Nubel. She's currently a consultant on women's initiatives for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, a sought-after voice in the conversation on race, and the author of Fear and Faith, Finding the Peace Your Heart Craves. In our conversation, we discuss the current racial climate in our culture, whether or not all fear is inherently sinful, and why faith isn't naive optimism. So I want to invite you in the room for my conversation with Trillia Nubel. Hey, Trillia, thanks so much for coming on In the Room. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you on. Uh, Your new book, Fear and Faith, Finding the Peace Your Heart Craves, is great. Looking forward to talking about that. And I uh, really like the way that you talk about uh, growing up and your family so much in the book. And so I want to kind of start there and ask, where is it that you were born? Oh, well, it's interesting. I was born in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, okay. but that's not where I grew up. I okay. grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I was born there, but raised in Knoxville. Okay. So have you lived there and now you're in Nashville? I am. I'm actually in the Nashville area. I live in Franklin, okay. which is a suburb of Nashville, but um, I love this area. We moved here about two years ago. Excellent. Yeah. And so so tell me about when, then how did you come to faith? Um, I became a Christian when I was 22. Okay. So I, um, I, I grew up going to church, mostly on holidays okay. and, and just really in, um, I was introduced to the Lord as a junior in high school, but, but I really didn't understand what it meant to be saved by grace through faith alone um, until about, I would think I was around 19, but I had a boyfriend and didn't want to give up my lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. So I was like, no, thanks to yep. that. I was also to be really honest, fearful of Christians. I just thought I'd be judged and that um, I would be hated. And it was just really scary to me. This thought of entering that world. And I just didn't understand. I didn't understand grace. I didn't understand, um, how the Lord transforms your heart so that obedience isn't like, um, drudgery. It's a joy. So, and, and so finally after a broken engagement, um, I was, I was broken. My spirit was broken. And I came to that church that the, the gal shared the gospel with me and, um, and was saved and haven't looked back since (laughs) the Lord just, yeah. So I was 22. That's awesome. So how, how did ministry kind of vocationally come to be for you? Did you always want to write and speak? When did that burden kind of set in for you? Well, actually I've always had a burden for evangelism. So when I became a Christian, I was, it was the best news that I had ever heard. Like I was on fire for the Lord. I was so excited and and it, it, I had never, I didn't understand. And then my eyes could see. And so I started doing campus evangelism and uh, started doing work for campus ministry. Okay. So that's really where it started. And then um, after I got married and had 
a child, my husband and I were thinking of different ways that I could still do ministry work, but not, we, we knew that um, I wasn't necessarily called to be in a full-time ministry role, though right now I guess I am, but, but um, at the time, and so I started writing okay. and um, it's interesting. I actually started just writing for a secular newspaper. So really? I'm a freelance journalist. Yes. Okay. And that's where it began. And, but then after about two years, I, I asked my editor if I could write from my Christian perspective, because I really wanted to. And um, she had allowed me to do a lot of faith features okay. in the paper. Um, but I never, I didn't write, I wasn't writing, um, column stories. I was, I was reporting. Okay. So, so, um, once I did that, I, I just knew that this is what I wanted to do. So I started a blog like most people do. Yeah. We got to do that. (laughs) And within a couple of months, it kind of went out of control. I just, I started a blog. I wrote one piece that was about my perspective uh-huh. as um, as being a reformed African American female, yeah. that it went what I call Christian viral. Totally, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it didn't go viral. It just yeah. went Christian viral. And um, and from there, I I've been writing and and speaking ever since. Do you prefer writing to speaking, or do you have a not have a preference? That's a great question. Um, I love writing uh-huh. because I can. Think and um, though I, I'm not very good at editing myself, it's uh-huh. so hard to read and edit myself. I really enjoy the writing process and thinking um, through that and trying to form words that make sense and minister to others. Speaking has been a a, a newfound joy. I I was miserably fearful yeah. <laughs> of it at first. Well, it's just the thought of. Um, getting to do that and and um, and and do that and knowing that it's not something you can edit. It's out there. Yep. And you just hope that you're saying something that's encouraging and that will minister to others. But um, you never really know. Yeah. So so speaking was terrifying. But now that as I've uh, as I've grown and I've done it more, I so enjoy it. And mostly because right after I speak, I can go to people come up and I can I can pray for them right on the spot or I can um, encourage them right on the spot. And so it's so n- nice to be able to see the faces that I get to, um, that I get to minister to, because when you're, when you're writing, you often don't see faces. People email you, but right. it's, it's just refreshing. It's neat. Totally. I, in our, in uh, our membership class, I always explain to people when, before we do baptisms, we actually, rather than have people in the tank, share their testimony, we record them via video uh, doing it. And one of the reasons that we do that, we tell people is that, you know, it's not a big secret that many people, the majority of people report that their number one fear is public speaking and that number two is death. So I yes. always joke with people that you would rather, most of you would rather die than do what yeah. I do on a regular basis. So, uh, That's so funny. it is definitely yeah. an intimidating thing for sure. Well, I know yeah. that one of the one of the things that you're doing a lot of speaking on right now is the issue of race, and uh, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about that because, you know, it's not a big secret that tensions are high in our country right now, and it seems yeah. like uh, I just continue to see your name popping up on forums and panels, and uh, I've heard so many people really praising the wisdom with which that you are speaking into the issue, and so I feel like it'd be a huge fail on my part not to ask you a couple things about that. 
So the first one is just kind of when you survey where we are, um, is there anything that you're encouraged by <laughs> pertaining to race in our cool? Because, you know, it's very doomsday right now when you hear a lot of people talk about it. So I, I wonder what your perspective is and, and what do you see that you might be encouraged by? Um, I'm mostly encouraged that the church is finally talking about it. That is um, something that needed needed to happen a long time ago. And, and really, I think churches were probably um, in the civil rights movement pretty engaged and informed, but I don't know if that would have been broadly. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm seeing churches from all different, not just denominations, but cultural um, landscapes, if you want to make ups, getting involved in this conversation. And that's very important. The church needs to be the leading uh, force, I think, the leading voice in this conversation, because we have the tools that will actually unite us. Right the gospel. Yeah. So, so I, I'm encouraged by, by that. With that said though, um, even still, uh, there's lots of work to be done because, yeah. because I, there's still people who would think that we don't need to be talking about yeah. it or who, um, are, have a hard time seeing why anyone would be dis- discouraged at all. Mm-hmm. So I think there's still work to be done. So do you think that it became such a, you know, why, why do you think there was silence for so long? Do, I mean, is there just a, a huge portion of that, what I'm assuming is primarily uh, the white church that did not see or did not think there was an issue anymore? And like, oh, that was something we dealt with in the civil rights issue, in the civil rights era, and now we're good, so we don't need to talk about it anymore. Why do you think it was silent for so long and that it took something like Ferguson or Eric Garner to kind of blow the lid off this topic? I think there's several reasons. I'll start with probably the most um, likely is social media. Mm-hmm. So sh- you can't hide behind yeah. issues when you're with social media now. Yeah. Um, there's just absolutely no no way that we can say that we're uninformed. Yep. Um, so I think that's one one reason we we are seeing an uptick in um, the conversation is that social media is is bringing it all to life and to light. Um, so that's one thing. I think um, in a lot of reason ways or a lot of reasons why people weren't talking about it um, and are hopefully more engaged now, it's just apathy. Okay. Um, what we don't see, yeah, what we don't see, what we don't know, we don't worry about. Yep. We're kind of apathetic. We're like, well, we'll let those people deal with that. Yeah. They can deal with that. Or fear. Fear is hinders um, relationships. It hinders racial reconciliation. It hinders this topic. Yep. Nobody wants to be called a racist. Totally. It, yeah. And so... But it is something that we should be able to talk about, especially within the church, because because we have, again, the good news. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us. And so we should be able to say, yes, I struggle with this, like I struggle with lust, like I struggle with self-righteousness, like I struggle with et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We should be able to talk about this. Yeah. Um, I think another reason is, yes, being far removed from the civil rights movement, I think people think if we're not marching, then it's over. So the laws have changed, but do our neighborhoods, do our churches, do our relationships really reflect this desegregation that was so fought for? I'd say, no, they don't. But yet, but yet because the status quo is that, okay, we've, we fought that fight. Now we can move on. Um, we, we've, we've, 
we can we can stay there in that status quo rather than continue to to work towards um, I guess the integration of families and churches that that it isn't really happening. Mm-hmm. So um, so th- that's those are just a few. Th- reasons why I think that um, it hasn't and why I also think like social media, why we can't, we can't ignore, ignore it anymore. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the, if you're going to put kind of the top one or two bullets, what are the one or two things that, that as you're having this engage in this conversation and as you're looking around that you're still most concerned about? Um, I, I'm still most concerned about apathy okay. that I, that's, I, I still think that um, though we have we are working and we're trying to engage in conversation, there's still just a, a, a small number yeah. that's you know. I, I well, would even wonder- even as like the news has moved past in so many ways, like the media has moved past Ferguson, the media has moved past what happened in New York, and so you just don't like it's not filling my feed the way that it did. You know, it's like everything has like a week shelf life, it seems like, and then apathy immediately sets in because it's like out of sight, out of mind to some extent. Absolutely. And I actually wrote a post about this, about our problem with controversy. Our problem is, is that we get bent out, uh, all bent up and out of shape uh-huh. um, or whatever that's phrase yeah, is. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> okay. We get that way for about a minute. Yeah. The, and we are like the news news organizations. So news media, they're, they're trying to sell a project product. Yeah. They're trying to rope you in. But the church can't be like news media because we are people who right. need to love people. Right. And these issues aren't issues. They're people. It's yeah. about people. Yeah. And so so our problem with controversy is that exactly, we you, you don't see it on the news feed. We move on. But yet they're still hurting people. So the next time that something comes up, we're like, why in the world are they so bent out of shape? Right. Well, they it's because it they're hurt still. <laughs> and we aren't dealing with with what's in our hearts. Instead, we're moving on yeah. and, and thinking, okay, we can sweep this under the rug. So I agree. It's it's a problem when we allow um the culture and media to be what leads us and drives us in our conversations within the church. That's yeah. a problem. Yeah. yeah. So that's apathy is one. And then the second one is, um, I, th- I think we still need to have a, a real understanding of the, the theology of it. So the theology of race, the theology of the family of God, um, what does the kingdom really look like and, and, and love yeah. Why is it that we can, why is it that I can have a conversation with you, Ryan, and, and we can connect and we can love and we can have joy. And I imagine we are different in yeah. so many other ways besides right, right, ethnicity, right? But it's because of the cross. So we should be able to do this. But I think when we, um, a lot of people I think because we don't still understand fully the family of God and what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ, it separates us rather than brings us together. Yeah. So I, I think I think as we really get an understanding of this and it becomes por- important and preached on and talked about more, then we will grow in love and it won't be an issue. Yeah, that's let my me, prayer. No, that's good. Let me let me ask you a follow up on the apathy thing. So, so for those of us that l- let's say that. Um, racism doesn't touch us on a daily basis. You know, like 
I've never had the experience of, you know, walking into a store and had people walk. The thing that you hear so many African-Americans describe, uh, like the day-to-day realities of racism, like that doesn't affect me as like a, you know, kind of, I think I'm middle class. I don't really know what I am, I guess. But (laughs) But I don't experience that. And, yep. and it's not in my newsfeed all of the time. And so how, how do, how do people in that position, how do we keep ourselves from growing apathetic in the midst of that? If, if, if culture's not bombarding us with the message, how can it continue to be a real tangible issue for us that we can continue to, you know, fight and, and march for if, if not literally, then at least relationally. Well, I think you nailed it relationally. So f- first of all, Ryan, as a pastor, you're a pastor, right? So yeah. you can preach on this stuff. This isn't, this is what I, what I've noticed is that we're, we can be reactionary. Yeah. So instead we should be proactive. We yeah. should be ahead of the culture, right? We should be ahead. The church should be ahead of the culture. And one way is that your churches are already equipped. So if someone comes into your congregation or if if the news feed does begin, you already have thought through these topics yeah, and you're, you have a heart of love for all the nations because yeah. you already know the kingdom is diverse. Yeah. You already know that we are all made in the image of God. You already know that at the end, in Revelations 5 and 7, we're all going to be worshiping together. Yeah. You know that Christ died for every tribe, tongue, and nation. We already know this. So, right. so it's not something that we react to. It's something that we can respond That's to. Yeah. And so that, I think, will is one way that, yeah. that you, you because you're not, you're exactly right. Not everyone, everyone not everyone is going to be, um, in a in a position where they're going to be fully engaged with different cultures, different nationalities, um, but when they come or when they are, it's what is your heart's response to that? Good. So another thing is is that a lot of people are really without excuse because um, so for example, you you live in the Chicago area. Yep. There you're surrounded by different cultures, right? Oh yeah. So okay, so. There's absolutely no reason why someone who is surrounded by different cultures can't engage in relationally getting to know their neighbors. So getting to know people who are are not like them. And so that would be my challenge to someone who is apathetic, but but actually surrounded by cultures would be to to get in there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Get to to know your neighbors and. And learn to love and 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 be be a part of your community where you are. I think, if you don't mind me saying, a lot of us are insular. Yep. We're we're in our own niches. We're in our own churches. We have our own friends, yeah. and so we don't we don't engage in with other people. So yeah, I would just encourage the some to to look out your window and to engage. And with other people yeah. and, and to talk to people yeah. because they're, they're there. Yeah, that's great. Great, great wisdom. I want to, you, we've talked about social media a couple of times and <clears throat> you know, it's in many ways is one of the leading factors in the conversation happening now. So it's good right. in that, but you also don't have to look at social media for very long to learn that, um, we're not always having the conversation in the most productive, fruitful, God honoring right. way. <laughs> 
And yeah. so as someone who has been very much involved in, in the conversation, and I would say doing it very, very well, any Thanks. tips that you would give us on how to do a better job with the dialogue in, in whether that be face-to-face via social media, whatever, do you have any, any sort of rules or tips that you would give to people? Well, um, sure. Okay. So first of all, you're not going to say social media is a horrible (laughs) outlet for deep engagement. I just, I, I love social media. I'm on it all the time. It's so, it's a fun tool. I think I use it for, for sharing articles, sharing pictures, the fun and the exciting part of engagement. But when it comes to tough topics, it, it, it becomes very difficult yes. because there's a few reasons why. There are uh, lots of people who will say something on social media that, that they'd never say yes. to someone face to face. Oh, yeah. So what I would say is to think before you type. Would you say this to someone who's sitting in front of you? Right. Um, the other thing I would say is when possible, take it off of social media. I I was engaging with someone and it just wasn't going very well. And I knew it was going to go south quickly. Um, And so I, I just suggested to him, Hey, let's get, let's take this to email. We took it to email. Email isn't always great either. Hey, let's get on the phone. The phone conversation changed everything. Really? Oh yes. Because you're, you can't, you can't hear tone in an yep. email, even with it. You can put all the smileys <laughs> yep. and exclamation points you want, but it's just so different when you get on the phone or when you get in face to face. Now, obviously we can't do this all the time, right? You know, we don't have the capacity or bandwidth to do that all the yeah. time. But when, when we can, I would say, take it off of social media. But if you're engaging Think, would I do this if I were standing in front of someone? And if you your answer is no, then don't. Don't right. type it. Don't do it. Um, and then I think when you're engaging with someone face-to-face, ask good questions. I, I think we often um, assume we know or assume we have the answers or assume we just assume a lot yep. and, instead of asking questions. So I would... I would just encourage someone to ask, to ask even, even, and that goes for social media too. If you don't understand, don't accuse or jump, ask. Um, and, and I've gotten in trouble with this via email on different topics. I, I make an assumption. And so I respond with the, the assumption and, yep. and then they're like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I should have started with asking, is this what you meant? Right. Because this is how I interpreted it. So That's what I would say. Yeah, that's good. All right, friends, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I need your help. If we're going to make this as easy as possible for people to find, then we have to increase our visibility on iTunes. So do me a favor. If you're enjoying this episode, take 60 seconds, log on to iTunes, and leave a short review. It's that easy. It's such a small price to pay for this great content. Every review makes a huge difference, so keep spreading the word, and thanks for your support. Now back to the conversation. All right, well... I want to talk about this book because it's great. Uh, it's called Fear and Faith, Finding the Peace Your Heart Craves. I think it's necessary. Fear is an emotion that's common to all of us. So yes. I think everyone needs the message of this book. Um, but 
because it's so common and because it's so prevalent in all of us, I was just wondering if you could share your thoughts on where where does fear originate? Where does fear come from? Oh gosh, I I think fear originated in the garden <laughs> when when they doubted if God. And so I yeah, I think um it it originates really from a doubt um and and is God real? Does God is God faithful? Is he really good? Will he really be for me? Yeah. And so I, I think there's just a lot of doubt that we all struggle with. And I, th- I think that's where it begins. It's yeah. just really a doubt, doubting God. Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's of course, pride and, and desire for control and um, fear of man. There's so many different ways that it manifests itself. Yeah. But I, I really be- believe that it begins with, do I believe that God is trustworthy? Yeah. I think that's good. I, I was reading Genesis three this morning and I never ceased. I mean, I must've read that. I've been a Christian the majority of my life. I must've read the first few chapters of Genesis hundreds of times. I never cease to be amazed at how foundational that those three chapters are in particular to just, even just Genesis three to how much, yeah. to so much of human experience. And it's interesting that, that after Adam and Eve sin and uh, they hear God walking in the garden, and God calls out to Adam, and his first response is, um, I was afraid. I hid because I was afraid. Yes, and, uh, gosh. And that's not gone away, clearly. Um, yeah. I believe the most frequent command in the Bible is fear not, uh, yeah. which is interesting. So would you say that all fear, because you mentioned the different manifestations that it takes, um, is all fear sinful? Well, it's it's, no. Well, obviously, the fear of the Lord is not because that's in Scripture. So an awe, how I define fear of the Lord is uh, an awe, um, worship, uh, inspiring, just trust, reverence, reverence of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then I also think that there is healthy fear and 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 wisdom in in being cautious. So I don't, I don't know if I would call it fear, but caution. So if you're, um, a, a, someone, a woman in mm-hmm. particular walking in a dark alley, right. Which, probably- which you shouldn't be doing that. Let's just right. establish that <laughs> women walking in dark alleys should not happen in any universe. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. Yeah. But it, it, since it does, uh-huh. um, there's probably a healthy wisdom in, in fear. And, and then, and, and though I don't think that Jesus feared the cross in so far as I am afraid, but he did weep in, in sorrow and ask the Lord if it was his will to take that cup away from right. him. So I think there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a place for, um, sorrow in, in a p- place for caution and there's wisdom um, in that. Yeah. So that's no, that's that, totally. I mean, I think if you're if you're being uh, chased by a dog, and you don't feel fear in the midst of that, and as a result run away, that's just dumb. And I, I don't think that's the, yeah. that's not the type of fear that's being condemned in Scripture. I think that you nailed it when the type of fear that is inherently sinful is the one that doubts who God yes. is and what he says and what he's promised. And so I think it's important to think clearly about that. When you think about the people that you minister to talk with, what are, what are, what do you think are the most common fears that people, and I'm not talking just phobia, like I'm deathly afraid of snakes. Okay. And I'm not even going to like, 
And I think that's biblical. Okay. Satan <laughs> came in the form of a snake. I think that that is a, I think that's biblical. But what would okay. you say are the most common fears that you see people struggling with? Well, before I answer that, I've got to talk about the snake. Right. I'm going to have to show you, or if you look on my Instagram feed, you'll see me holding this gigantic snake with no my way. son. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> he loves snakes. And he is so excited, which this is kind of cute, about heaven because he thinks they're going to be redeemed. And yeah. <laughs> I just want you to know when I get done with this conversation, I'm calling DCFS <laughs> and uh, I'm going to report you for letting your kid hold a big snake. That's crazy. It was in a zoo. It was in a zoo. Okay. That's awesome. But it was a beautiful snake. I'm, okay. I'm, a, I'm definitely afraid of spiders. Okay. okay. Fair now enough. that we've got that established, yep. um, common fears, fear of tragedy and fear of the future. Uh-huh. Um, and fear of like things like plane, air, yeah. flying. Flying is like terrifying to people. Yeah, it is. But, but to be real serious, fear of the future, especially for women, and fear of tragedy is is paralyzing fear. Yeah. Um, women especially, and particularly, fear their husbands dying, fear their kids dying, yeah. fear fear them falling away from the Lord. And, and, and this is something I was just talking to a friend about um, just yesterday. She, she is afraid that her kids are going to get hit by a car. Yeah. Deathly afraid of this. She's just, she's just, certain that her kids are going to get hit by a car um, because they're starting to walk now and they can get away from her. Yeah. And, and this is something that is so common. Um, when my, my husband started traveling this last year, I remember battling just my thoughts. I, he would leave. This, it's, it's not funny, but it's kind yeah. of funny. He would leave. And by the time he arrived to where he was going, I had his eulogy, his burial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had his funeral picked up. Like, this is probably who would speak. Yeah. Because I was so, I just thought he, I wanted him to return and I was yeah. just fearful. But there are so, that, that's a very common yeah. fear. Yeah. Future and tragedy. Yeah. Um, the fear yeah. of man thing I know is big. Your chapter in the book on the fear of man is, is very, very good. But I also know that that's just, that's common in everyone desire for people's approval and what people think of me. And I know that it seemed to me in reading it, that one seemed to touch you pretty deeply personally as well. Would you agree? Yes, because I didn't know I feared man until I became a Christian. And then it was like, oh my word, I fear what people think of me. Because in high school, I, um, I just wanted to please my father. And, and I didn't realize that so much of what I was doing was because I was afraid of his disapproval, um, that he would, um, not be uh, approving or or accepting. I don't know, but he loved me so well, but I just didn't, I didn't realize that was so much of what was driving my ambition in a lot of ways. Um, and then when I became a Christian, I realized that, um, this is something that, I struggled with in almost everything I was doing. I, yeah. that I just, I, I didn't want when, um, when we decided that I would, I taught group fitness when I, we decided that I would be a working mom. Uh-huh. I was terrified of what other moms would think. Yeah. Um, even though it was part-time, it was not, I was not, I wasn't like leaving my kid. <laughs> right. Right. I was mortified. Um, when, 
um, uh, writing reveals a lot of fear, though I'm growing in leaps and bounds. When I first started writing, um, I just, what would my words be misconstrued? Would I be judged? Um, so fear of man, and it really does motivate what people do. Peter, we've, he's, he's one of, he, poor guy. He's like the prime example of the ultimate fear of man, right? Yeah. I just preached that text two weeks ago. It's painful, man. (laughs) It is denied Christ three times, but he wept and he repented, which we can do the same. And I'm thankful for that. But yeah, um, people often, I think people don't share the gospel because of this fear of man. Yeah. People don't want to tell people about Christ. Yeah. I think what, I think one of the challenges with the fear of man in particular is that it's so subversive and it can take so many different forms. Like what it, the way that it manifests in you and the way that it manifests in me can be so different. Like I, I stand, I mean, I preach and I'm a Bible preacher, so I have to preach on things regularly that are controversial, that are not going to be culturally acceptable. And when I stand up to preach, I feel virtually no fear about what anybody thinks. I just don't care when I look at my, but if I have to sit across, I learned this early in pastoral ministry. If I have to sit across the desk or the table from someone, have coffee, look them in the face and share the same things, it's much more difficult for me. And, uh, anyone that has ever been particularly a male authoritative male in my life, father figure type person, I really, I feel the way their words are very heavy to me and what they think of me really matters. Yes. so it's not, uh, yeah, I just think that's one of the things I've, I think I had season where I'm like, I don't, I don't, uh, the only person that does not struggle with any fear of man is an absolute jerk. Like if you right. don't care what anybody at any point thinks about you, you're might maybe not be a human because I yeah. think everybody yeah. struggles with it in some way. I think so too. I, I don't think there's anyone at all who is absent of the fear of man. Yeah. Um, I just think it, it manifests itself in different ways, like what you were saying. Yeah. And, and so I, I just, I was really excited about that chapter yeah. because I, I know it can, it can be paralyzing and people, it, I think it hinders ministry. People won't yeah. do, um, do things for the Lord yeah. out of, because of the fear of man. And, and, um, and it, it, it hinders relationships. It really, it's, it's a harmful, yeah. <laughs> harmful. It, well, it's called a snare. Yeah. You know, Proverbs calls it because it's, it is, it's like a trap. It's like you're yeah. a rabbit in yeah. a trap and, and you can't get out. And it's, a, it, it hinders you from really being free and, yeah. and enjoying the Lord and enjoying people. Yeah. And, um, and I have, I have, it's, it, you know, I've had relationships suffer because of the fear of man and, yeah. and the Lord's just been good to, uh, help restore those of course, but, um, also to help reveal that to me so I can run to God. Yeah. yeah. Are there, when you think about you, I mean, you are a woman, you write, you mention you know, women. I don't, I don't think women are the only people that should read this book by any means, but sure. I know that somewhere in your heart and head, you're thinking about women in the midst of this. Um, but are there any differences in the fears that common fears that men and women face, or is it more just in the manifestations of the same fears? Do you think? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I have a husband, uh-huh. and <laughs> and he he has never talked about the fear of tragedy or the future like I have. His fears would be more financial related, yeah. financially. So he wants to, he's. 
he would be, okay, I really want to make sure that I can support my family. His, he's thinking about retirement. Yeah. He's thinking, I'm not thinking about those things yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> I never think about it at all. I don't think about so, uh, financial stuff at yeah. all, Ex- you know, except for trying to be a good steward for his sake. Right. Does right. that make sense? Totally, yeah. So, so his, I think, and I think that's, he's thinking about, um, he wants to make sure, he wants to teach his son well. And, and I'm thinking about, I want to play well. And yeah. so, so I think, um, yeah, he's not, he's, he, he wouldn't want to die in a plane crash, sure. but he, that's not something that hinders him from getting on a plane. Yeah. I, on the other hand, I'm like gripping the seat and praying, before, right, right. <laughs> which again, I don't think is a male female thing, yeah. I, I, but it's just, I'm thinking when I get on the plane, I'm thinking of the future. Uh-huh. Who's going to raise our kids? I hope right. my kids are okay. Right. He's, he's not, he's not thinking that way. Right. So, so I do think that there are some differences, but with the same thing. So yeah. we both, we're both fearing tragedy and future, but it's just in different ways. Yeah. Um, and uh, same thing with the fear of man. So he does not care at all what's on social media. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, and so I've I've had something that I've wanted to share before. And and I've I'll run it by him. Do you think this is okay? Do you think this picture will offend anyone? Or yeah. will it be he's like, what yeah. in the world? Right. Posts the picture. Right. And I'm like, well, I just want to make sure my sisters would be okay. And then I- <laughs> yes. and he's like, uh so so there's just different ways that so he would fear man, though. He would never be on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is just not something he would do. Um, unless unless I was like, baby, it really served the church. I was like, okay, yeah. I'll do it. So so it's just different. Like social media, no problem. Something like speaking in front of people, what? In the, he would not do it. So, yeah. so yeah, if that makes any sense. Totally I, I'm does. just, yeah. I, yeah, I think just showing the differences between my husband and I um, is a good reflection of, Generally, men and women in general, because I in talking to women, a lot of the fears that I write in the book and that I speak about even now, those are some of those common things we we think about. Same fears, different forms. Um, Yeah. And I think that's, yeah. So would you say it's fair to say then in the book, you hold genuine faith as the remedy to fear, correct? Like that's kind of what you offer up in the latter half, that that faith is, is, the way that we combat fear in our life is through faith. Is that accurate to say? It's accurate, but it's also short. I would say faith, but it's faith that is infused by a knowledge of God Yes, and a knowledge of his word. So, so the, what is that scripture? Even the Satan, the devil, what's the, (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, I know what you're talking about where even the demons, like they believe right things about God. But but they're obviously but they they're don't not fear like God. exactly. Yep. They, they don't know. They don't know God. Right. So so I think we can have faith to like a real believing faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but it needs to be saturated in a knowledge and understanding of who God is. Right. And 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 I think we, we get that from His Word. So 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 yes, faith with with a knowledge in of the character of God. Because, because I think we can throw around the, and it can be considered kind of trite, trust God, right? trust God. You just need to trust God. Well, what in the world does that mean? Yeah. What am I trusting? (laughs) Who 
Who am I to? Yeah, because it's not yeah. a faith is not a naive optimism that everything's going to work out in the end like a thirty minute sitcom. It's it's yes. it's trusting and believing specific things about yes. the God that we serve. And you just nailed it. Everything's not going to work out right. like a sitcom. Right. Everything's not a romantic comedy. Right. Um, we're, we, we walk, and as we walk by faith and not by sight, we endure trials. Yep. We endure suffering. We endure um, marriages that fall apart. We endure miscarriages. There, we en- endure real tragedy. Yeah. People, people do die. Totally. So our, our fear of whatever we fear in the future might actually happen. Yeah. It's during those times that we have to, that we really want to know God and trust him yeah. and fear him. And that's because our, our lives aren't these like cookie cutter, happy go lucky. Hey, yay, everything's going to work. <laughs> yeah. But, but tr- so, so I think that that's why it's so awesome to, to know our awesome God. And yeah. be- because it's, there's there's comfort there in knowing that that in in these trials and suffering um we're not alone and and it's not just that we're not alone because God's some like mystical yeah. <laughs> it's like that we're not we really aren't alone he's with us and Jesus has walked through it yeah he's been tempted tempted in the wilderness he's 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 walked with with when all his friends denied him right Going to the cross, he knows he, he relates to us, and yet was without sin. And so, and so, I, I don't want people to to be given some false hope. I want the real hope that's, right. that's found in the gospel and yeah. found in the word. Yeah, that's good. Uh, are there any particular attributes of God? I mean, you can't go wrong studying any attribute of God. But someone struggling with fear, are there particular that you would say these are sort of the foundational attributes of God that we should meditate? I'm getting ready this weekend to preach Isaiah six and um, Isaiah's you know vision of this heavenly throne room, and uh, so it's just filled with these amazing attributes and characteristics of God. So I'm thinking about a lot that about that a lot this week. But when you think about this topic of fear, um, what are kind of the baseline? attributes of God that we should really get into God's word, meditate on these things and know that we know that we know that they're true. Um, God is sovereign, but if, so I think if we understand, because we want control, but if we understand, okay, he has control and he knows the beginning to the end, then there's, there's something about that, that is kind of it's comforting, but I will say, if you know that God is sovereign, but you don't know that he's good, it's good. And if you know that God is sovereign and then you don't know that he's loving, yep. then it can be terrifying. Totally, to, yeah. So I would say you need to know that God is sovereign, but that he is also all good yep. and that he's all loving and 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 that he is wise. And so if God is sovereign, good, loving, and wise, then, I mean, I want to trust him. Right. I want to trust the guy who's in control, yep. who also... N- has my best interest and knows what's good for me. Yeah. Who who also will finish the good work he began. Yeah. Who's also full of love and nothing but love. That's the that's who I want to know and so yeah. and serve and trust. So yeah. so I would say those four in particular yeah. are um wisdom, his wisdom, his sovereignty, his goodness and his love good. that I would cling to. Good. All right. Well, it just kind of last question. How say we have somebody listening and uh, and and they're just racked and ruled by fear right now. 
And uh, how would you encourage someone that kind of feels like they're drowning in that? Where should they go? Where should they? I'm, I'm going to lead by saying they should get your book so you don't have to do that oh. yourself because that's always <laughs> awkward. Um, but where, where, where would you send them? How, where, where should they start? Right now, today, they're, having, they're just dying in this whole thing. Where would you point them? Um, I would say God's word. Um, but, but first, before that, I would also say prayer. Um, you can, gosh, I have a lot to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. I just want um, the, the person who's weary to know that they can run to God and receive grace and not feel shame or condemnation for their fear. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's grace and there's forgiveness and the blood covers it. So you, he, God sees you as his, his daughter or his son, and he loves you. And he doesn't, he doesn't want you to walk in fear of approaching him. So you can go to him because he says that, he, he, he's, he has grace that Jesus, he is um, loving and gracious and, and, and he has, he wants you to come to his throne of grace to receive help in your time of need. So that would be my first thing is that um, you can approach God because of the, co- the cross. Yeah. So go run to him and then find in his word in Psalm 23 in, in um, all throughout his word, really yeah. that just the comfort that is is for you um, in in your suffering and in your trial and in your grip of fear. And then ask God and confess the truth. I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, I, I, I'm fearful and, and I, I believe that you're real, but I just can't, I can't find you, Lord. Where are you? S- seek his face. And I believe that he will make himself known to you. So, yeah. so I would say all of that, which yeah. is a lot. <laughs> no, no, I found personally just so much comfort in Philippians four, six and uh, Paul's yeah. command. Don't be anxious about anything, yes. but in everything, you know, through prayer and supplication, prayer. make your yeah. requests known. And it isn't amazing. Like when we actually put that into practice and I offload my fears and my worries and my anxieties into God's lap, how faithful he is to really doesn't, doesn't mean that the problem doesn't go away. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, the circumstance gets easier, but I've seen God over and over be faithful in my life to take my anxiety and give me peace. And you might camp out in Hebrews yeah. and see the faithfulness of God. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just an encouraging book to me, yeah. um, about just how faithful God is. Um, and in, in how we can approach him and how he's been faithful to generations and generations and generations past. And Oh, yeah. Um, so. Yeah. All right. Well, the book is Fear and Faith, Finding the Peace Your Heart Craves, Trillia. I'm thankful specifically for your humility and the vulnerable tone with which you write the book. Uh, you wrote a lot of yourself into it, which I think on this topic is so necessary. And, uh, and more than anything, thanks for pointing us to Jesus in his word over and over again. And it's been a delight talking to you. So thanks Thank for coming you. on in the room. Thank you. An estimated 40 million Americans struggle with some form of anxiety. So clearly many of us need the message so plainly put in Trillia's new book, Fear and Faith. You can find a link in the show notes to pick it up on Amazon, as well as how to connect with Trillia on Twitter. Well, that's it for this episode, but don't forget you can connect with me online at ryanhugley.com and also on Twitter and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. 
We'll be back next week with episode number 25 and my conversation with Larry Osborne about his new book, Thriving in Babylon. Until then, it's an honor to learn with you. I love you and thanks for listening. 